0: The Big Picture on Top Issues for Healthcare in 2024, today on HFMA's Voices in Healthcare Finance podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Erica Grotto. Today I'm talking with Andrew Donahue from HFMA's policy team about what healthcare leaders should be watching this year. But first, our news team has some thoughts of their own to share. We'll return in a moment with Nick Hutt and Sean Stack.
1: Hi, this is Nick Hutt. We wanted to follow up on our discussion from the last episode regarding 2024 healthcare developments to watch for. This time we're talking about a couple of intriguing topics for the year ahead, namely disruptive entities and also AI. You know, 2023 was not a banner year for some of these newer entrants like Walgreens, CVS Health. Both had shakeups in their C-suite. Moody's just downgraded the credit rating for Walgreens to junk status due at least in part to its debt to earnings ratio. Amazon's push into healthcare did take a step forward when they made One Medical, which they bought in 2022, a benefit of Prime membership. So that was noteworthy, albeit predictable. But for the most part, if I'm a legacy provider, it's more the Optums and the Humanas that maybe would pose a concern in the foreseeable future in terms of their ability to usurp some of the market for healthcare services. But what what's on the radar in terms of the potential for healthcare disruption in the next 12 months?
2: So I think the most exciting news that I've seen in the last month is, you know, of course, the announcement by Cost Plus Drugs announcing their partnership with XP on Health that's headquartered in Maryland. They are looking to get into the specialty drug business. I mean, as you know, I think it was the 2000, September 2022 HRSA report did an analysis and stated that specialty drugs account for 50% of the total drug spend in 2021. So we're talking a lot of money here in the billions. I think $301 billion in 2021 was what they they quoted in that report. But Cosmos Drugs is looking to get into the specialty drug market, which is going to have a direct impact on some revenue streams and product lines for hospitals. So that's something we're going to be watching very closely. And of course, there's not much that Mark Cuban hasn't done that he's set his mind to with cost plus drugs. It's interesting, Nick. You know, after the week that Cost Plus Drugs announced their foray into specialty drugs, CVS Health came out and announced that they would be um, establishing a new pricing structure called Cost Vantage, where they would be kind of mimicking or copying Cost Plus Drugs markup language or markup standardization so they're going to be rolling out a new pricing structure to their 9,500 retail pharmacies across the u.s making that transparency of what those drug markups will be in their retail pharmacy to consumers pretty transparent to the consumer they'll first be rolling this out to to self-pay patients and then they look to get into the medicare advantage contracts and pbms across the nation. So lots to watch here in the pharmaceutical area of transparency and transparent pricing. Um, so that I think is going to be very interesting for 2024.
1: Absolutely. One thing that's potentially disruptive for all stakeholders across industries is is AI. Uh, you mentioned the possibility of some noteworthy developments in that realm for hospitals and health systems. What could
2: we be seeing there? Now, looking through the, you know, the our annual conference submissions this week for revenue cycle, I can tell you that a vast majority of the presentation submissions included AI in the content. So we're seeing a lot more usage of AI to really streamline revenue cycle and clinical processes in hospitals. We're seeing EHRs adopting a chat GPT like Microsoft, language to help clinicians and help physicians do their work. We're seeing a lot of automation in billing, in prior authorization, in workflows to take over and standardize and automate some of the billing procedures that hospitals find extremely administratively burdensome even with you know, the shortages of staff in those areas. And they're not really looking at all to lay off staff or get rid of staff. They're repurposing the, those staff members to do more challenging tasks that the AI cannot do. So we are seeing you know major leaps forward in AI.
1: All right, thanks for the insight, Sean. AI is certainly a game changer for many aspects of society, healthcare among them. We'll be keeping a close eye on how events unfold.
2: We'll
0: be right back. One of my favorite parts of my job, outside of making podcasts, of course, is moderating a monthly webinar titled The Big Picture with Andrew Donahue from HFMA's policy team. In these sessions, Andrew talks about economic, social, political, and other forces affecting healthcare. So to start off 2024, I invited Andrew to come on and talk about what industry leaders should be watching for. And in an election year, we had to start in Washington.
3: I think the general narrative out there right now is in an election year, nothing's going to get done. So let's explore that for a second and see if that's true. If you're going to make that argument, first thing you'd say is, all right, you've got 435 members of the House that are up for election. You got a third of the Senate up for election. Imagine if your job was dependent on... You would probably focus on that. You probably wouldn't focus on your inbox every day. You'd be back in your communities campaign. So they're going to be doing that. They're going to have an itch to get back to their localities and their districts as soon as they can. Traditionally, that happens around late spring. It doesn't mean they leave D.C., but they're they're pretty much focused on that. So they're getting back, Congress, middle of January. They've got to work between that time and January 19th to avoid the first tranche of government funding. To avoid that shutdown of that first tranche of appropriation bills. Then after that, on February 2nd, they have that second tranche of appropriation bills. So that's going to suck all the political energy and bandwidth, just focusing on that. They should have had that done in the fall. So to assume that that's going to get done in a, in a few weeks, that's a tall order. Markets are generally pricing in that a government shutdown won't extend beyond middle of Q1, so middle of February. So anything that extends beyond that, it's going to have ramifications for capital markets, Politicians know that. So there's going to be a strong incentive for them to focus on that. So what else do they have time to even get done? That's the first argument. The second argument that not a lot's going to get done is just the electoral calendar. By March 12th, we should know the presidential candidates. That's the day of the last multi-state primaries. But before that, it is a true gauntlet. So you have a Republican presidential debate on January 10th. Iowa caucuses on the 15th. Two more presidential debates on January 18th, 21st. You've got the New Hampshire primary on the 23rd. South Carolina jumps in on February 3rd, February 24th. Nevada, February 6th, February 8th. Michigan, February 27th, and so on. Super Tuesday on March 5th. Sprinkle in and between all that, a federal trial for former President Trump. Probably some subpoenas or inquiries from congressional oversight and judiciary committees in pursuit of impeachment on President Biden. It's all just so much in such a short amount of time. And I think literally House GOP leaders have planned their legislative retreat on March 13th, the day after that final primary where we should know everything. So that seems to even signal their recognition that after that date, legislative shops are generally going to shut down. Not a lot's going to get done. Now, final thing I'll say, the other side of that argument is, well, there is an interesting Part of a year like this year because you have a lot more opportunity for hearings. You have a lot more opportunity for oversight reports. Administrative agencies can get more done. They're not as distracted. So you can see some progress on the regulatory side of things. Retiring members, they love to solidify their legacy. So they might work on pet projects and really push those through. There might be court rulings that resolve certain litigation and force congressional action on certain issues. So, you know, it. It just depends. Generally speaking, I don't think we're going to see anything major from a health policy perspective at all, but some stuff will still get done.
0: So you mentioned a few key dates in the presidential election. A few of those will have passed by the time this episode comes out. So we might know a little more, but there's still quite a bit to come after that. But do you think that the election will have a big impact on this year, or are we going to see that kind of down the line?
3: Yeah. I, I agree with your instincts on that. I just don't see the election really having a transformative effect on this year. And I know that's hard to say because it's so in our face every day. But my opinion on this is that the presidents and their success in office is largely a product of what they inherit, whether that be economic, social, or political conditions. It's not so much what they intend to do or what their ideology guides them to do. It's more what they can actually get accomplished when they walk in the door and they can't control that. So for healthcare in particular, I just see a lot of constraints impeding big health policy innovation. This isn't like when President Obama came in on a mandate to implement Obamacare. I think the next administration is going to come in and there's going to be a lot of talk about entitlement programs from 2024 to 2028. You know, baby boomers are are retiring from service, moving into governmental programs. We'll have to see where the Medicare Trust Fund comes out this year. It's, it you know it changes every year, but there's going to be a lot of focus on what's truly sustainable. We're starting to enter that period where where actual work and reform may get done in the next you know four or five, 10 years.
0: So in healthcare, then bringing it in even farther from you know congressional action, is there anything that we have to get done this year?
3: Yes, so excellent point. Because in everything I already mentioned, not only is that just a, a massive agenda to cram, but then there are things that that are just happening. They are going to happen, and whether or not they get attention, somebody's going to get it through. Like for instance, delays to Medicaid dish funding cuts. Um, money for community health centers. These are kind of reauthorizations or extenders, things that nobody's going to let these things slip through the cracks. It's just more of a question of what are we going to tuck them into? Uh, What are they going to ride along? What's their vehicle to get past? Also, Medicaid unwinding, a lot of those eligibility redeterminations, that 12-month period and the statutory period that extends a month or two after that, that's going to be washing through in 2024. Medicare drug price negotiation, that was a real policy innovation um, in the Inflation Reduction Act. And this is the first year that some of those steps for Medicare to be able to negotiate directly for specific drugs. Now, these drugs, they won't take effect till 2026, but that process is going to be happening this year. That's going to be something that that does get done and we can watch. Then you always have the annual Medicare payment rules. And this is going to be a really great opportunity for the Biden administration to make some noise in healthcare during an election year when they don't have a congressional entity that's really going to be working with them, they can push through reform through those payment rules. So we'll be keeping an eye on those for sure this year. And then also there's something called the Congressional Review Act, which is a deadline within which any new regulation that the administration wants to push out in 2024 kind of needs to be finalized in the first few months of the year to, to meet those deadlines. I think mental health parity is is on the agenda for that. Medicaid access rules. Uh, Medicaid managed care access, how to finance that, quality provisions in Medicaid managed care, and and Medicaid drug rebate pricing regulation. All of those things, again, an opportunity for the Biden administration to to have a voice in healthcare in an election year. Um, So those are things that are just happening. Then there's a second bucket of things that seem to have some momentum, so it might be hard to stop them. Doesn't mean they're necessarily going to pass, but there's a chance that some proactive members could push them through PBM reporting requirements, Uh, the House has already baked that in. The Senate wants to go potentially further, include the commercial market as well. We're just not sure where that's going to go. Site neutral payments. There was some modest language in some House legislation, uh, I think applying to physician administered drugs. We're not clear what level of interest the Senate has in pushing that further, but that's something we definitely want to watch because that would kind of be like a crack in the door on site neutral payments. It could open up further reform. Um, in 2025. Price transparency, the House bill passed. It's in the Senate's court now. Nobody really knows if they're going to push that. Could be in, included in some government funding legislation. There is some momentum there, but we just don't know. And Medicare Advantage issues, um, CMS wants to make some changes, whether it's marketing or star ratings, you know, supplemental benefits, spending, enrollment, et cetera. Drug shortages, it's top of mind for a lot of members. And prior authorization and managed care, whether it's Medicare Advantage or Medicaid MCOs, those are things that have some momentum. If they can get fit in to that first quarter or a month or two after, that's that's the big question.
0: What else do you think is going to make a big impact this year?
3: You know, I think when we look back at 2024, say in the late 2020s, and and we're what, what did we remember this year for? I think we'll remember it as kind of the calm before the storm. And I know that's hard to imagine. Every night when I come home and turn on the evening news, I'm just shaking my head in disbelief at what's going on. But I think that current state, that current state of crazy and chaos economically, socially, politically that we feel is kind of the new baseline in, in modern America. But what I'm talking about is I want to layer on top of that three massive transitions that we're going to be dealing with over the next five to 10 years that we are just now in 2024 going to start to truly comprehend. The first of them being, and I'll make a joke here, Erica, you would tell me if you asked me what time it is, my response to you would be demographics, because it's all I talk about at HFMA, but it is the largest demographic transition in human history. By 2023, all Baby Boomer's will be retired from service. Um, that's the wealthiest, largest, and most productive generation in American history uh, transitioning into government entitlement programs while simultaneously transitioning their own investment assets to less risky products. So that takes a lot of of capital out of the market. So there are massive economic ramifications that are gonna challenge our existing modeling on, on what will be financial success. We're gonna be absorbing that over the next five years. So understanding that this year is gonna be a theme Also, artificial intelligence. We hear about it all the time. Really, all it is is highly advanced analytics. So anything you can get a lot of data on, you can fundamentally transform. And we saw that in 2023 with a new class of antibiotics. We saw the new creation of materials needed for next-gen batteries and solar cells and computing. Um, We even saw the ability to take thousands and thousands of data on proteins. And now, all of a sudden, uh, on the cover of Nature magazine a couple of weeks ago, I think, we can start to tell the age of 11 different organs in our body. It, just the new knowledge that's coming through and the scientific breakthroughs associated with AIs is impressive. And and the FDA, just at the end of last year, approved the first therapy that uses CRISPR gene editing so as a treatment for sickle cell disease. Highly expensive, prohibitively so, probably, but just that regulatory approach itself is showing that there are new pathways for the FDA to treat drugs, couple in AI analysis. I mean, it's just incredible breakthroughs and we've talked about weight loss drugs i know erica you're going to be profiling that coming up but the potential shifts in utilization associated with that are prolific so again i think we'll remember this year as our last year to kind of prepare whether we realize it or not for the big transitions that we're going to be absorbing as a society in the late 2020s
0: what about the wild cards andrew anything that's just going to come out of left field and change the outlook for this year
3: I think one of the open questions is is recession or no recession, and this is always hard to predict. I remember this time last year, there was a Bloomberg article that came out and said that 100% chance of recession in 2023. And That didn't pan out, so that's, that's a tough article to have out there in posterity. But it, I think what we think is going to happen is a soft landing, and so really what that is is the central bank increasing interest rates just enough to stop the economy from overheating and experiencing high inflation. But they're doing it in a way that doesn't cause a severe downturn. That's the general market consensus right now. I think the latest US Federal Reserve summary of economic projections shows that they think they can cut interest rates by about 0.75 percentage points this year in 2024. That'll take it to a range of about 4.5%, 4.75%. They think they can do that without triggering a new bout of inflation. So the big question is, If markets think that's what's gonna happen, it's just when do interest rates begin to fall? 80% of analysts, I think, you're kind of putting it in the March meeting range. The Fed is already jumping in and pushing back on that narrative and saying, hey, you you might wanna look to May or June. I think what I'm trying to highlight here is, what if that doesn't happen exactly the way the markets expect? Or what if there's some sort of external shock that sends us, tips us into that recession state? That's where a lot of the outlook we've gone through today could change, particularly with respect to the presidential election.
0: All right. Well, I am going to make a list of all of the predictions you made for 2024 and be uh, keeping score nope. on this podcast. Nope. <laughs> of course, I'm kidding. But
3: thank you. Thank you for the accountability.
0: Um, no, no. But, you know, I I think it will be interesting to see how things unfold because this is a year where a lot's going to happen, but it's also it's also a year where we're waiting to see what happens next year, right? We'll be looking at this, you know, a year from now going, what's going to happen? And it's going to be very different. So
3: that's a good point. We're kind of setting the table this year.
0: Well, Andrew, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll have you back on maybe mid-year to talk about how things are going.
3: Sounds good. I'll be there
0: all right and for anyone who wants to check out the big picture webinars they happen on the first wednesday of each month you can go to hfma.org and sign up for those it's a good time they're really enjoyable really informative so uh andrew thanks again thanks erica voices in healthcare finance is a production of the healthcare financial management association and written and hosted by me erica grotto additional reporting is by nick hutt Sean Stack, Andrew Donahue, and the HFMA editorial team. Sound editing is by Linda Chandler. Brad Dennison is the director of content. Our president and CEO is Anne Jordan.
2: This is like Colin like Excellent Adventure today, Nick.
1: Which one am I? Am I Keanu Reeves?